Hello and welcome to the Ben Like Bamboo podcast where I get to interview special guests about their story um, and what resilience means to them. Hi and welcome to the podcast, Matt Rowe. How are you, Matt? I'm so well. Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. I'm so thrilled to have you. Before we start, let me introduce you properly. Okay. Matt Rowe is the author of Belief to Heal, a certified health coach, meditation and Reiki practitioner, TEDx speaker, and father of two. After um, earning the designation of an All-American triathlete in 2007, Matt paralyzed his right leg. In 2010, he managed to recover and finish the infamous Ironman triathlon. Matt has also since recovered from debilitating symptoms of multiple sclerosis to live his best life. He is the founder of Identity of Health Wellness Coaching, the Symptom-Free MS Summit and Symposium, and hosts the Identity of Health podcast. A lover of self and life, Matt lives in Colorado and travels internationally to speak on belief, healing, and possibility. Wow. Mm. I'm so thrilled to have you on the Ben Like Bamboo podcast, Matt. Thank you so much, Amanda. And I love your concept of bending like bamboo, because that's really what this is all about, is being flexible and bending. And something I spoke about today is setting the intention, which allows us to be flexible instead of a stringent expectation that we can often set. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you for saying that. I just found power in flexibility. Um, Not only has it helped me to feel more healthier in my mind, inevitably just on my journey, I found it also helped me to repair and heal my body from also debilitating symptoms of MS. Yeah, it's it's a choice. We have to step into this powerfully. And so in finding this... Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't until I understood rigidity that Mm. I could have embraced the flexibility. Yeah, that's powerful, powerful that you understood the dichotomy of it, that rigidity being the opposite of a flexibility and knowing, okay, then making that powerful choice, which way do do I want to lean inside of my life? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the power of polarity I guess we don't know the light until we know the dark. But, yeah, flexibility in our mindset, I believe, impacts everything that matters. Our body's ability to repair, the most important thing. But our ability to rise above our challenges, to be at our best every day, to push ourselves out of our comfort zone, to grow spiritually um, and to live with an open heart, you know, as opposed to being stuck in our heads, overthinking, which is a horrible way to feel and live. Yeah. It just, it doesn't set it up. Yeah, you're setting the stage for disappointment and you're setting the stage, which as you said very well, is that when we set in a state of stress, inflexibility, like really that rigidity, we're not giving ourselves the grace and the compassion to begin healing, to begin healing our bodies because we're healing our bodies, not just at the physical level, but at the emotional and spiritual level as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure you're going to share some beautiful lessons today on, on how, how you did that. And mm-hmm. I can't wait to dive in. So why don't we start? I'd love to know what resilience means to you, Matt. Ah, resilience is 
not following what is said to us by those of authority or said to us by those of what we give credibility to, not saying that those individuals are bad by any means, and it's always great to listen to them. But if we're looking at resilience, even though they may say something, it can lead us to a nocebo effect. So it can lead us to our own belief being altered and it takes our resiliency away. It's finding Mm -hmm. our why. It's finding our basis of why we are here and what we are meant to do in the space of all odds. So no matter what is thrown at us, we become flexible, like, you know, bending like bamboo, we become flexible at some point of being able to bounce back, taking a look at something. I mean, if you read the book Adversity, you know, the power of adversity is we take a look at this. I mean, you take a look at trees, trees don't become strong until they're pushed with the wind. And the insides of them break. And so they're showing their resiliency in the moment of the struggle of either a storm that is coming through or anything that it is pushing them on that side to side. So with us is having that resiliency that we are flexible and gaining our strength from all of the valleys, all the dips. I never grew strength by having everything handed to me. I only grew strength through the adversity. And at the time, Amanda, as you probably very well know, I did not view it that way. That is not what I saw in the moment. In the moment, we view it as, oh my God, why is this happening to me? This is so terrible, or this is really bad. But it's when we take that breath and go, okay, I am still alive. I am still here. I can do something about it. Absolutely. How I would love you to share, like how how you became resilient because you've got a huge story, man. It it began when I was younger. Um, I was, you know, when I started, you know, when you started life, I was a kid going through puberty and I was overweight, and so I was made fun of a lot. You know what rhymes with Matt? It's you know, you're the people that make fun of you are really creative, and so. Really, with all that, I saw that going up in my life. And then I said, and I took and I'm like, nope, I'm going to do something about this. And so it was when um, my son was about ready to be born. I said, no, I'm going to do something. I am going to lose weight. I'm going to take care of my body because I want to be here to see his grandkids, hopefully someday. Now, granted, he wasn't even born yet at this time, but I had that forward thinking vision of setting that intention for myself. Now, I really was challenged with my adversity or with this adversity that comes to you the day my leg was paralyzed. I was an All-American triathlete, you know, to put in context, I ran 14 miles the day before I paralyzed my leg. I thought I was the best thing. My ego was so inflated. I thought it was, you know, I couldn't, I thought... At this point, I was in my late 20s and I thought I was indestructible. Yeah. So it was when my leg was paralyzed that I said, you know, there's got to be something different. 
there's got to be something I'm not taking a look at. Now that didn't come right away. That came months of, you know, trying to get it repaired. That was months of trying to get my leg to actually function again, going and seeing a couple doctors that were giving me a 50, 50 shot that they could fix it. One doctor, I remember the day he came to me and he says, you know, he was a board certified neurologist and he's like, I can do this surgery, but you have a 50-50 shot. I'm like, 50 shot that you get it working again? He goes, 50 shot, I don't paralyze you from the waist down. Was the paralysis from an exercise injury or was it from MS? I wish, Amanda, it was something really big. Like I got hit by a car or a bear came out of the woods and tackled me to the ground. I was shoveling snow as crazy as this is, as as well as I took care of my body, there were some parts of my body that I didn't take care of, which was my core strength. And so when I picked up this heavy level shovel of snow and swung it over my shoulder, my back moved. Back injury. And it really shot, you know, that whole, the, the entire nerve fibers on the side no longer communicated to my right leg. And so when I looked at this, I said, oh my gosh, is this it? And within 40 seconds, I went from walking to dragging a leg. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh. But there was a shock. There was a shock of the loss, the loss of my identity, the loss of things that I'd worked so hard to do over the last five years to make happen. And so with that loss of that identity, it was a period where I needed to be compassionate to myself. And it didn't happen right away. And so with that is I really took a look at it and also talking to many friends that were doctors at that time and saying, what can I do? But realizing the doctors weren't going to fix this. Now, ultimately I did go to surgery and they did somewhat fix it. But it was going to be up to me whether I believed whether or not my leg would ever function again. And so going through that adversity and going through those moments, that was a low point. Especially with having everything you thought you were removed from you in a matter of seconds. And for individuals that have been through this, they, you understand, you know, in this moment, you have a choice. Do I, do I just roll over and say, okay, this is just going to be the rest of my life? Because they were the next option for my leg was para, was amputation. And I said, okay, like, even if that happens, I can join Paralympics or I can do something else. I can race a bicycle even if I can't pedal it, I can do it a different way. Wow, so, that's incredible. As I started looking at this adversity, I said, okay, how can I turn it to my advantage? My yeah. advantage, not from a financial side or not from anything else out there, but how can I have it not affect me? Because at this point, I'm a young father. I'd had my second child was born at this point. And so being a young dad is I didn't want to roll over. I wasn't going to quit. And it was in that moment, I made a choice. I made a choice for me and said, you know what? Let's go forward with the surgery. Let's make this happen. Even if you paralyze me from the waist down, I'll still do something within my life. 
this will not be the end. And so then I went forward with it, but I went forward with a belief that I would be okay. Yeah. And no matter what the outcome was, I was going to rise. Wow. So, yeah. And, it, you know, with that, that allowed me to take other steps. So then, you know, two, three years later, I finish Ironman after that event. And so I said, okay, this is not going to be the end of me. No, no, I think experiences like that, when we created a life and we, we think when, in, in a way that we think that um, we, in a very, like you said, like when, when it's um, affiliated with our ego and we build amazing things in our life and that's beautiful and we think we're invincible. It's almost yeah. as like to create the balance, life comes along and then breaks that all apart and there's a lot of loss that produces a flexibility from the rigidity of that. And it's a yeah. really difficult journey to go on, <laughs> but a very, very inward journey one that is ultimately rewarding and you would have had to rebuild to create a whole new version of yourself to become, yeah, someone that is more compassionate towards himself. Mm. Wow. Tell me, when you woke up out of that surgery, what happened? Well, when I woke up out of the surgery, they had no idea if it worked. So they wanted to get me up on my feet. And as I stood there, I took a step forward and oh my gosh, my leg picked up. It actually responded to what I was, my brain was telling it. And then in that moment, they give me the real, like, this is going to take about two and a half years of rehabilitation because the nerve fiber will only grow one millimeter a day. Yeah. Being that I have a 32 inch inseam. I'm like, I did the math and I'm like, you're telling me this is going to take 685 days to get it back down to my toes. And they're like, yes, but enjoy the journey. And I'm like, and at the time I was like excited, but I was like, okay, I'm really excited. It works again, but holy cow, I didn't realize how much damage I had done over a four month period trying yeah. to get it repaired. And so, yes, under that excitement, I knew it was great, but I can't say that I was super elated about everything. At this point, I walked out of the surgery center. I still couldn't pick myself up on my right toes. So most people can stand up on their right or left or right toes independently. Mine on the right foot wouldn't work. If I stepped on a curb and went to jump up on the curb, my leg collapsed. So wow. I'm like, okay. And the doctor's showing me all the reports. He's like, it works again. You're sending the message. You can feel your toes. He's doing the neurological test. He's like, it's all working, but your muscles need to regrow. Yeah. And I took a deep breath and I said, okay, if I got this far, then it's just another step forward. Yeah. And looking at all those moments of frustration as I was rehabbing it, like, I mean, remember sitting with my physical therapist and going, there's got to be something we can do. And under that frustration, I signed up for Ironman. I was still a year away from having it completely work the way I wanted it to work. But it was that dance between setting that ex expectation, which is rigidity, 
and the intention, this is where I'm going. So it was always a dance between my ego and that compassion for myself as I was repairing it. Absolutely. I don't think a lot of people will relate to that. And maybe because it took another, like you, 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 the surgery worked, but there was still more work to be done. So it was an opportunity yeah. for you to express this new version of yourself that you had become in your actions, in that journey of repair. And is that what happened yeah. next throughout that two years? Yes, it became a journey of, it was the start of my discovery of self. Yeah. And when I say start, uh, this is a journey I'll be on for the rest of my life. And so it was the start of that journey. And it was that battle, like I said, between the ego. The ego wanted everything that he used to be. Yeah. I want you to ride a bicycle this fast. I want you to run this fast. I want you to do everything that you used to be able to do because I wasn't willing to let go of my past. Yeah. I kept trying to live in it. Yeah. And then we create so much suffering when we do that because it's so mm -hmm. obvious looking back that you what you needed to do, because I, I relate, and the moment, when was that moment when you surrendered and you let go of who you were in the, willingly of the past and you embraced this new you? It started when I signed up for Ironman. And I signed up for Ironman out of complete frustration and anger because I was so mad that I had lost that. I'm like, this is not going to be the end of my triathlon career. I'm not going to let a silly leg injury by shoveling snow stop me in all this work that I had done. And everything that I was being and how my ego was being filled. And so out of this frustration, I said, nope, it's going to stop here. And I signed up for Ironman. And yeah. I said, and then it was after that, I remember the day I signed up for it. I got off the computer. Everything had been registered. Everything was done. And then I said, what the hell did I just do? I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and wow so you trained and trained with um yeah. got some help with training no I had known enough at this point to say okay I had not lost a lot of my endurance at this period so because okay. I kept riding my bicycle I kept trying to run I kept doing things to keep my endurance where I wanted it to be so when I signed up it's not like I started at zero and I knew I had one year to train yeah. for this. So then I started to put a plan together. Yeah. Then I said, okay, if I'm going to do this, this is, these are the small steps that I'm going to take. Yeah. This is how I'm going to get from here to here. Yeah. And as I took those small steps, some days went great and some days didn't go very well. Yeah. But really sitting there at some point saying, okay, you committed to this for yourself. Yeah. But this is when I started to think about myself differently. Yeah. And I said, okay, the old me would have been upset. But does the new me, is it worth getting upset at this point? And I asked, my, the, I asked myself a powerful question, who am I? And I'm still answering that question 
almost to today, I still answer this question all the time. Who am I? Who do I want to be? Do I want to be somebody that from a physical side did this? Or do I want to be somebody that found a love inside of himself and Mm -hmm. found compassion throughout it all? Yeah. And I won't say, and I will say that at some point, this didn't happen right away. It was kind of, yeah. once again, that push pull from the ego to my higher self of compassion and love. Yeah. And it kept going this back and forth. And when I lean too hard on the ego, because the yeah. ego wants to take control of some way, it went to work It went to the things that I was doing. How could I satisfy the ego in this way? Yes, I had finished Iron Man. I had done this, but I'm like, okay, the ego wants to be satisfied. It was kind of like a a drug addict at some point. It's like, oh, I want more. Give me this. Can you do this? Can you make about this amount of money? Can you do this? I was feeding the ego in a different way. And then the ego, well, actually my body said, no, this is not what we want you to serve. We want you to be a part of your higher self with this love and compassion. And it was after an injury. Now I got involved in a different sport called CrossFit, which was, it's the stupid sport. And so anybody listening that does CrossFit, I love you, but man, that sport is crazy. So, you know, I did that for years and then I made a mistake and I hit a box while I was training and I started to experience 25 to 30 strokes a day. Oh gosh, that one scared me. And I said, and it was because I was holding so hard on the ego. I had lost my concentration when I was working out, when I was doing something very simple, jumping on the top of a box. I just, I just missed it. And you missed it. And then you hit it with your head. Oh, with my shin. And it went down my shin and almost went down to the bone because it was a wooden box and I hit it really hard. And so they started uh, pumping my body full of antibiotics to keep the injury from going septic. Yeah. So at that point on the last round is when I started to experience the strokes. Oh my goodness. How long did that last for? It lasted for three months. But through this, I started to realize, okay, this wasn't happening to me. This was happening for me. What was I meant to learn in this journey? I Mm -hmm. learned with my leg that I was resilient. That I could overcome an injury like that. The stroke scared me and said, and this started to get me to think about my body in a different way. It started to actually have me appreciate my body because I use it as a tool. I would beat the living tar out of it, Amanda. And I didn't appreciate my body. I just kept beating it up. And yeah. so this actually had me take a step towards myself. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then you recovered after the three months, the strokes stopped. I did. I got them all to stop. Um, a, you know, but no, so what any neurologist at that time was telling me, they're like, this is going to be the rest of your life. And I'm like, no, this is not going to be the rest of my life. There's got to be something different. So I started to study food as medicine 
and start to say, yeah. okay, what could cause? How many, you know, when we look at our guts, our stomachs, actually have more neurons in our stomachs than in our actual brains. Yeah. And so really we, I had broken that gut brain connection with so many antibiotics. Yeah. I got rid of the bacteria. Yeah. And yeah. our bacteria in our body outnumbers our cells 100 to 1. Yeah. And there's 32 trillion plus cells inside of your body. Yeah. And you get looking at this and you're like, oh my gosh, I damaged a really important aspect of my yeah. body. But, you know, really started to take care of it more. Started to the appreciate it. Diet protocols that you adopted that people might know of. Pardon? Were there, was there, there a particular nutrition protocol that you followed to heal your gut that people might know of? Um, I looked at various aspects of probiotic and prebiotic. Uh, Dr. Perlmutter was an individual. I read his book, Grain Brain. Yeah. And so this started to talk a lot about those aspects and then started to incorporate a lot of what Dr. Perlmutter was saying about the probiotics, but then also reestablishing the gut, what, you know, essentially is the soil, which is the prebiotic within me. Yeah. Yeah. It started to walk down that road and said, okay, how can I repair this piece within me? Can I ask you, the when you were just talking before about the push-pull between your ego um, yep. and versus your higher self and compassion, the ego is when we have the external, we're focused on the external expectations. But then yes. when you focused on the your higher self and that compassion, mm -hmm. what did that look like in comparison? Yeah, absolutely. The ego, think of it on this standpoint, is what we think everybody else wants to see us do. Yeah. It's solving very simple, very beautifully what you said. It's solving the external. I work this job. I run this race. I do this. Yeah. So it's solving that ego aspect that, you know, that really that physicality of who I am. Yeah. But it's not really to the base core of who I am. So the difference between the other one is one of compassion. So yeah. think of that higher self as being forgiveness, patience, love. Yeah. So as I've often talked about, is there are two emotions that we can have within our lives. There are two basic emotions. There's fear and there's love. Yeah. So if I had to ask you right now, Amanda, you could spend the rest of your day in fear or spend the rest of your day in love. Which one do you choose? Love. <laughs> Not even yeah. blinking an eye. You're like, love, of course. But what happens is, is when we hit a moment of anything, any stress, any shame, any guilt, because let's take a look at fear is all the negative emotions that come off of that shame, guilt, depression. Any one of those is going to put the body into a sympathetic nervous system state of fight, exactly. flight, or freeze. Yeah. So, and it's very easily triggered within you by an event. So for example, let's say you get in an argument with a loved one. Yeah. That's all it takes is that loved one says one word that is your trigger word. 
And all of a sudden, your body goes into fight, flight, or freeze, and no longer are you making any conscious decisions. You have clouded your prefrontal cortex, which is the front part of your brain. This is the largest part of your brain, 33%. And you've clouded that part where logical, loving thought comes from. And you go to your basal ganglia, another part of your brain, where long-term memory and thought is stored. So after you are triggered in this event, you may 15 minutes later go, oh, why did I say that? Or, oh, I should have said this. This would have got him. Yeah. Like on this kind of side, we are then operating out of fight, flight, or freeze. Now at an acute yeah. level, it works great. It keeps yeah. you from danger. You slam your brakes on when you see somebody slam their brakes on in front of you. Yeah. You run from the tiger or you run from danger or you stay away from danger because your ego, your history, your pa past thought or fear of the future is now your operating system. Yeah. So then when you go to love, that's actually conscious thought. Consciously, like when I asked you that question, you had you could spend the rest of your day in fear or spend the rest of your day in love. Very quickly, you chose love, not even blink an eye. Because given a moment when we are out of fear or that fight, flight, freeze, we will go to love every time. Mm -hmm. We and will so choose love and love is healing. And so love I know a lot of work, Matt, is about also um, healing from MS symptoms. Yes. That what you just described, choosing your higher self love and the inner work of finding that inner bliss and compassion, ability to forgive and be compassionate towards yourself and to others and how that then fires growth and repair pathways instead of survival and stress. Right. And whilst you've overcome strokes and also a paralysis from sport injury, I know you also got multiple sclerosis. Is this also the same way that you've managed to, I mean, do you have MS symptoms still? And have you healed from them? I am at this point, I am symptom free. Wonderful. I work out. Am I at the point of, I've actually thought about this weekend. Do I want to start running again? Yeah. But, you know, knowing that where I came from with running, I'm like, I don't know if I really want to do that again. Even though yeah. I could, it's, a, you know, it's a decision. It's, do I choose this? Yeah. And I keep going back to this aspect of choosing me. Yeah. And oftentimes it's called being selfish. And we look at being selfish as like putting ourselves first as being selfish. Yeah. What if putting yourself first was actually how you healed dis-ease? Because yeah. dis-ease cannot in exist in a body with love. So have you ever met anybody on your journey that it healed from a dis-ease that was angry? No, it's about finding that balance within the emotional body again that then reflects through the body to come out of that dis-ease and yeah. um, rising above to access those elevated emotions of the love, joy, compassion, forgiveness, resilience. So we have to become greater than our traumas and the past and we have to learn how to 
access that within, not from things we acquire with our ego, yeah. our status, our, um, our, our identity, what we've achieved, huge one for me. You know, I was so identified with how much I achieved in the day um, and, and how far I, you know, how much I could build my career because as a young child it was very programmed into me that this is what mattered and, yeah. and this is how I felt worthy. So it almost felt much of my 20s and 30s like a life or death experience getting yep. things done and my to-do list for work. And it, yeah. it, it was, it robbed all the joy out of it. And yeah. I didn't manifest abundance in my career until I let that go and I surrendered and I just, you know, learned how to go within where that didn't matter anymore. And it was a lot of work letting that go. Um, and I, like you, you know, got sick as a result and had to, it's like that had to happen because I wasn't listening. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so our body speaks to us injuries and pain, I believe. We haven't got the lesson yet. Exactly. And if we ignore the lesson, let's say we walk around the lesson again, the lesson's still there. It's going to come back. Yeah. But it's going to get our attention a different way. And sometimes this way is even more severe than the other way. So yeah. where our, our soul, like if we're really thinking about this at a metaphysical level is that our soul is pure love. Then our mind is right underneath it. And what happens is, is in our life, like you very beautifully said, is that in your life, you thought, oh, I need to do, I need to do this. I need to achieve this. And the whole time, the mind is getting farther away from this pure love of what we are. Yeah. Now, the only way that our body can actually talk to our mind is through a dis, dis ease. Gets our attention. 100%. <laughs> and you had a choice right there. I couldn't just say, oh, I'll do exactly what the doctors are telling me. I can go into fear. I can go into shame, blame, guilt, all of this. Or I can choose a different path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when we choose that different path, then we begin removing these layers of the trauma mm -hmm. of the pieces. And we go and seek help from other individuals that guide us down to this pure love. Again, when we aligned our minds back to this pure love is when we actually put ourselves into a space of healing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as we get older through our journey, we're we're becoming new versions of ourselves through many chapters, whether it's recovering from an illness or a breakup or a divorce or becoming a new father or a mother, um, building new things in our lives and just all the different chapters that we experience. So wouldn't it be great to master having such a flexible mindset that can connect more to our higher selves so we can be guided through that, knowing we have to constantly let go of who we were every yeah. single time we move through to the next chapter. And you know when that next chapter uh -huh has come you can feel it you understand that yeah. things have changed um but when we're of that more malleable frequency that you know more elevated mindset we can move through that with more ease and love and compassion and life just gets more fun as well it does you know? and we then vibrate in an energy that attracts more of this love yeah. Because if we think about it, if we are in a moment of shame, blame, guilt, we are then being a mirror and that shame, blame, guilt, we're going to be given more opportunities to bring that closer to us. Yeah. 
But when we enter a state of love, we give that same energy the opportunity to reflect back to us more love within our lives. Whatever we love gets more attracted to us. Yeah, exactly. It's so rewarding when we can use our energy doing that work rather than feeling so stressed and rigid, uh, focused on things that really don't matter. Matt, give give me a few tips of like if you were to people listening that, you know, might benefit from, you know, from you and your journey. what, what What are a couple of tips that you can share that might help people today? It's, you know, at one of them is the very first step is becoming aware. Yeah. So becoming aware of your thoughts, becoming aware of the trigger events, becoming aware of the moments. And it's just, you know, we don't have to do anything really. As we go throughout our life, we go throughout our day. Did this car that cut me off, did I get upset by that car? Yeah. Okay not putting an emotion with it. Why did I get upset by that car? Okay, that car upset me. Is it something that I feel was taken from me or did I feel in danger? Or did, and really observing that emotion for what yeah. it is. It's just a thought. It's just an emotion. And so once we become aware, we can make another step. Yeah. I can make a decision. How do I want to respond? Yeah. I want to put my body in stress today. Do I want to have a symptom show up? Because as we know, with multiple sclerosis, stress equals symptoms. So do I want to take this step towards that? Yeah. Or do I want to begin rising up? Do I want to begin making a different choice in my life? Because our life is basically comprised of what we choose. Yeah. What we make as a priority. So then the next one is making yourself a priority. Yeah. Is being selfish. Now, selfish doesn't mean that I'm going to, you know, push small kids down so I get the ice cream treat faster or that I'm going to do this over here. It's really being selfish is what can I do for myself right now? Yes. And that takes self-worth, man. That takes like worthiness. And that's why I realized in my resilience work, it wasn't just that conversation. It was also the power of self-belief through flexibility. Because yes. mm-hmm. we, how do we focus on ourselves um, unless we feel worthy enough to do that? And we're wired right. very differently from different generations of what we've been taught in the past to always put others before, you know, yep. and, and that's what you do. And that equals love. And to a degree, mm-hmm. of course, but with a full cup within ourselves first, and then we give and receive joyfully. Yes. But I love how you said filling your cup first. Because I can't give from an empty cup. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that being selfish doesn't mean I stop giving to other individuals, yeah. but I give from my heart. So, yeah. you know, something really powerful is mirror work, is stepping in front of a mirror, looking in your own eyes, like really looking in your own eyes taking a look, studying your face, studying your eyes and looking at yourself and saying the words, I love you. That's hard to um, do sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> it, 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 took, it took me months before. I'd look in the mirror and I'd almost start giggling. I'd be like, oh yeah, really? 
but it's really is what do we tell ourselves when no one is around and no one was in the bathroom with you when you were looking in the mirror it was just you but how we don't look at ourselves in this way so resiliency on that big level is loving yourself loving yourself to get up again to try again being like okay one more time i can make this happen Oh, beautiful, Matt. Um, I love that. Tell me, um, you've got a wonderful summit called the Symptom-Free MS Summit. Tell me more about that. So the Symptom-Free MS Summit is going to start on June 19th. Mm -hmm. Um, Promotion is going to start beginning here at the end of May. And with that promotion at the end of May, it's an absolutely free summit to sign up for. Everybody will have this summit is going to be comprised of 26 speakers. Yeah. Many of them have overcome multiple sclerosis or have overcome an autoimmune condition. You are going to be a speaker at the summit. I'm so excited for that. So bringing all these speakers together, this is the second annual one. The first annual one was a huge success. What I saw with that is we were able to expand out and help and serve other people's lives that I didn't even realize these people were there out there. I had individuals emailing me after the summit going, you, you've changed my life. This made such a big difference. I now have hope to take another step because isn't that resiliency at some point is finding at least that ounce of hope and taking a step towards it. So as yeah. we did this more and more, so second annual one is going to be absolutely amazing um, with an, another group of speakers are going to help us rise even further. So June 19th is when that begins. It's going to be two weeks in length and every day two speakers are going to get released in the summit. Awesome. So every day you'll have 24 hours to view those speakers and also have the opportunity to actually have this summit um, for a lifetime. So if you want to review it, you know, months down the road, you would have the opportunity to take that step towards that. Wow. So all these beautiful speakers and so many lessons and golden nuggets twice a day for two weeks. Oh, and it's absolutely free. Wonderful, man. Yeah. I'm so glad that it's, I'm so, my heart lifts, but this is what I was led to, Amanda. Yes. This is everything that happened to me from the paralyzed leg to the strokes to the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis. All of this led me to here. Yeah. And if I at any point I would have said, oh, I'm out. Yes. <laughs> then. Oh. Wow, Matt, you, you inspire me. I think that, you. you know, your story is incredible. I think you're a wonderful person. And I'm so pleased to share your story today. Where can people find um, to buy these tickets? Or not buy, apply because they're free. (laughs) If you come to the Facebook group, uh, Symptom Free MS Summit. Okay, cool. Well, it's a Symptom Free MS Facebook group. You can definitely just sign up for that. I'll prove you to get into it. That's going to be advertised on there. you can also find this summit um, if you go to Identity of Health. And all these links will be on the blog as well and right. posted. Yes. But I just wanted to say on the podcast too. So Identity of Health um, website. Yes. Beautiful.
Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time today You're and welcome, podcast and sharing your beautiful story and, and your amazing knowledge. I know a lot of people are going to get so much out of today. Awesome. Thank you so much for this beautiful opportunity. My pleasure. And everybody, thank you so much for listening. And remember, no matter what it is that you're going through, you can overcome it and discover what you were made of. Please review, please share the love and subscribe. That's how people can find more golden nuggets and beautiful stories just like this. Thank you again, Matt. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Ben Like Bamboo podcast. Please rate and share the episode with your community or anyone you think may need to hear this episode. If you would like any help with maximizing well-being and flexibility in your life personally, you can see me one-on-one at the private practice in Melbourne or on Zoom if you are not local. You can book in or find more info at benlikebamboo.com. If you would like help remotely, I have a resilience program you can do as an online course with six eBooks and videos on mind, body, food, connection that include resilience and tools that can help you to feel happier and healthier after rebuilding from change, stress or illness. If you would like help with boosting resilience and wellness in the workplace, you can book in for a free Zoom discovery chat. The Ben Like Bamboo at Work program can be delivered in person or virtually. And if you would like to inquire about Ben Like Bamboo at school, you can find information on all these programs on my website, amandacampbell.com.au. And you can contact me on email, amanda at benlikebamboo.com. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. And remember that flexibility builds resilience. And no matter what you are going through, you can overcome it and discover what you are made of. See you at the next session.